New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting Claire B. Willis. She's co-author with Marnie Crawford Samuelson of Opening to Grief, Finding Your Way from Loss to Peace. I'm speaking with Claire at her home by remote connection. Welcome, Claire, to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you for having me, Justine. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. I know that grief can lead us to personal transformation and growth, and it's not something to avoid. But please tell us why you see grief as an opportunity to grow. Well, I read Jamie Anderson's words, um, grief is love with nowhere to go. It's an expression of love with no place to go. And I just loved what he said about that. And I have started to use that a lot in my work. Unfortunately, I hadn't seen it when I was writing the book, or I would have put it in there. But I love that he said that. And the reason I love it is that it just makes grief something that we shouldn't be avoiding and that we should be giving full expression to. Just like we don't want to truncate our love, why would we truncate our grief? You have written about, or at least suggested, some of the reasons that we might put off grieving. One of the reasons we may put it off is because we have to cope and do certain tasks, that when someone dies, we have to plan a funeral, we have to close the material aspects of their life, and we can't be having a lot of deep feelings while we're doing those things. Another reason we might grieve for a while is that we may have what you call a pileup. And sometimes people have multiple losses and they're so overwhelmed, they can't begin to grieve them. And I think one of the things that COVID has done is that COVID has not only brought loss into our life, but it has activated and opened up old losses that we may not have grieved. So people have found that they're grieving old losses that they weren't able for whatever reason to grieve when they occurred. I know when my mother died, I didn't really cry for close to 15 years. And I was giving a talk one night at the cemetery where she was buried and I drove in and I realized it would have been her 100th birthday and I couldn't stop crying. And I was just overwhelmed with compassion for my mother who had a very tough life and I hadn't been able to feel it before. So, yeah, I think that's why I feel like this this is so important. When someone dies that's close to us, how many days off do we get from work? Three days? There's no acknowledging the magnitude of grief. You're, you're expected to go back to work and do what you've been doing within days. Exactly. I think one of the religions that does grief really well is the Jewish yeah. tradition. Yes. There's a process of sitting shiva. My husband was Jewish and my children are Jewish. And after someone dies, the person who's grieving doesn't leave their home. And people come and they bring food and they bring company and they bring comfort in whatever way. But you are waited on hand and foot for seven days. And it's a beautiful custom because it really respects the person who's grieving. And also in some Jewish sects, 
you wear an armband to identify yourself as grieving. I mean, you know, in Greece, you're a widow, you wear black for the rest of your life. So there are ways of seeing who's in sorrow. I'm thinking of when Michael died, there was a, a woman who gave me a handmade shawl, and it was a shawl for mourning that oh, she said, please put this on whenever, you know, take some time for yourself a little bit every day and put this shawl on. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. It was and there's something about the shawl because you're wrapping it around yourself and it came from loving hands and it, it just was, a, it was such a sweetness to that. And it, it was very helpful to me. What about if our partner has died or if our partner has gone through a long illness and so we've been prepared for their death and, and yet when they die... It can be shocking. There's nothing that I feel in my experience that prepares us for the finality of death of our loved one. I completely agree with you. There is, there's no way to really prepare. And there's a thing called anticipatory grief where someone's diagnosed with a terrible disease and you know that death is inevitable. But when they cross over, it's a shock. Because I think we never stop hoping just teeny bits that that person may make it, that there may be a miracle. Unless, I think, someone's in huge amount of suffering, and then it's a relief. It's nothing but a relief in a way. It's less of a shock, I think. How about the timing of grief? Somebody might ask, how long should I be grieving? Shouldn't I be over it by now? I don't think grief ever goes away. It changes in intensity and duration and frequency. So when someone first dies, the walls of your house, the cabinets, the floor, the ceiling, the furniture are all gray. There's no color in your house. <laughs> and then slowly between the event and time, different resources fill in and it moves from a searing pain to a dull ache. It's sort of like a broken bone. When you break a bone, it kills at first. And then you have, maybe you have surgery, maybe you have PT, and then you heal. But on rainy days, it still aches. And it's what happens with grief, that the colors of your house move from being gray, slowly color comes back. But there's a gray chair that always will sit in your home that you go and you visit. Because you, you don't get over grief any more than you get over loving somebody. So if you really see grief as an expression of love, it doesn't end, but it changes and it doesn't, it won't always feel the way it does at the beginning. It will change. I think I remember years ago doing an interview with Alexandra Kennedy. She talked about making an altar yeah. to your loved one or even your animal companion or whomever it is that you yeah. cared about who has passed on. And that you give yourself permission to go there every day for as long as you need to and to spend some time at that altar. And in the way that she was couching it, it was like giving a special compartment in which you give yourself total permission to grieve. Right. And then you get on with the rest of your life, with the rest of your day. But you really dedicate this time for it. 
that's one of the suggestions, I think, in our chapter on making art, to make a place to go with a collage or photographs or scraps of their clothing or whatever it is that brings you into physical proximity to that loved person. When someone first dies, feeling a physical proximity to them is really important. Over time, you feel less of the need for the physical proximity and you have a psychological proximity and you find ways to do that. But I think finding a time every day to give yourself over completely to your grief is really important. And it can be a grief friend. It can be a telephone call you have where you just let it rip with somebody that you trust. Exactly. Or it might be your bereavement group where you go once a week and you tell people what a horrible time you're having or how painful it's been or what memories have have surfaced that week that have been really difficult. I think of a particular culture that does um, ritual around death and dying is Mexico, and they do the Day of the Dead. I have friends who do just beautiful altars every year to all their ancestors. Or you go around the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, and there are places that we've gone where people set up almost museum pieces where there are room after room after room of, of the different altars that different people have set up. That's so beautiful. It's just um, an idea of a day of communal grieving. And I think we're going through that right now. Here we are, it's early 2021, and we're still in the throes of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic and sheltering in place. And we're grieving the loss of quote unquote normal and not being able to hug one another or sit down and have tea with one another or all the different things that we've been able to enjoy before. So there's a lot of grief going on in our culture collectively right now. I don't know whether you remember this, but in the beginning of the book, in the author's note, we have a reference to a column that David Brooks wrote for the New York Times. This was back in April 2020, and he wrote and asked people how they were faring. And he got 5,000 replies in about three days. And he described what he got at the end of this article as there being a river of woe flowing through our culture, a river of grief. And I love that expression of a river because water seeps everywhere. And COVID has seeped into every aspect of our life. For some people, it's been much more pervasive than in others, but it has touched everybody's life. We're in a pandemic of COVID, but we're in a pandemic of fear and grief as well at the same time. And I think things are slowly beginning to turn but it's going to still take a while. And as you and I have said earlier, things are probably never going to go back to the way they were. So there'll be going to be things we grieve for sure that we don't even know yet what they are. I think another part in your book that you mentioned is when we can put our grief into action when the time is right, you know, not maybe right away, but I'm thinking you mentioned the woman who started MAD, uh, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, when her daughter, I believe, was killed by a drunk driver, or the young man, Matthew Shepard, who was brutally murdered for being gay, and his parents 
were instrumental in the Hate Crime Prevention Act that was passed in Congress. So these are just a couple of things where people took their grief and used them in particular ways for the benefit of, of enhancing life. The derivation of the word passion is suffering. And we're usually passionate about things where we know suffering from the inside out. And so some of these people that I write about in the book have created different causes or charities or organizations to help other people not suffer what they suffered, that they're passionate about it because they know that suffering from the inside out. And it's really wonderful when someone can reach a point in their grieving process that they give back, that from the grief, there's a generosity that comes forward. So I've interviewed, two hosts interviewed me, I should say, who have lost children and have made grief podcasts their life's mission. And that's a great example of taking the pain and converting it into a generous gift to other people. We're in early 2021, and Joe Biden is president. Mm -hmm. And he really exemplifies a positive way of grieving. You know, I mean, we all know his son, Bo, from his many references that he's made to his son. He's not afraid to talk about his grief. He is modeling this for yes. all of us, wouldn't you say? Oh, yes. You know, I'm so glad you're saying this because I love when he talks and he just allows tears to come to his eyes. He's not one of these people that thinks that showing grief is a weakness. I think that our capacity to grieve is a strength because often grief comes out as anger. And what happens with anger is that we have a false sense of agency and it's covering feelings we're too frightened to feel. And as Biden said, the healing is in remembering and allowing ourselves to have those feelings. The healing is in the feeling. Feeling leads to healing. That's so beautiful. I, I just want to thank you so much, Claire, for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. It's been wonderful to be speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me. I've been speaking with Claire B. Willis, and she's co-author with Marnie Crawford Samuelson of Opening to Grief, Finding Your Way from Loss to Peace. And if you want to learn more about her work, you can go to her website, openingtogrief.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms, and I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe. I invite you to please join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, 
newdimensions.org and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.